0: Hi, welcome to the VIP Home Podcast. I'm Dana with VIP Homelink, and here we have Michelle Steinberg with the NFPA. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's fun to have you back for a second time. So in our previous podcast, we had talked about wildfire safety and how to protect your home. This time, we're gonna change it up a little bit and we're gonna dig into how best to protect your community, which in turn can make your home safer and more resilient to a wildfire. So first, when we talk about wildfire danger, we usually talk about California and recently Colorado, but where else
1: um, do homeowners need to worry about wildfires? Great, so thanks for that question. So when it comes to wildfire, it's really, the kind, of, the kind of natural hazard that can occur throughout the United States. So believe it or not, we have wildfires that can affect our communities in places like Florida, New Jersey, Texas, even Hawaii and Alaska. So it isn't only a California problem or a Western States problem. And it really is about our natural environment, many ecosystems throughout the United States are uh, dependent on fire. The the plants and the animals uh, have have kind of evolved along with fire in those areas. So we know that fire is a natural occurrence that's going to keep continuing to happen on our landscapes. And when we've built into a lot of these areas where natural fire is going to appear at some point, uh, we have to be aware of that and learn how to live with those uh, that natural phenomena.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. So. Because it's so widespread across the US and the world, um, how can homeowners take steps to secure their own home and property? And what should homeowners do to take the community-minded approach for wildfire protection?
1: Great. Um, It's so important that individuals do take steps on their own property. And NFPA has a program, FireWise USA. We also include lots of tips and tools for people wanting to take those first steps around their home. So as we've talked about in previous um, discussions, uh, preparing your home really means looking at the exterior of your home, uh, the the roof, the gutters, the siding, the windows, any vents or openings to make sure that there's no place that embers from a fire, and those are really the culprit in a lot of wildfires in terms of our home safety, that the embers or the firebrands that are blowing out of the fire can't collect, pile up, Uh, in places like gutters or or, uh, your porch decks, little nooks and crannies around the house that could ignite your home. Uh, And neither should they be allowed to come into the home through vents or other pet doors or something like that. So there's those sort of uh, precautions you can take. And then of course you don't want anything combustible that could ignite your house right near the house. So we we talk about that as fuel, Uh, anything that can burn is fuel. And so shrubs, a pile of firewood, even your patio furniture could be fuel for a fire, uh, where flames um, can can impact them and then ignite the rest of the home. So those are the pieces around the home. But more and more what we're finding is um, the work you do around your home, while it's important, your neighbors need to do it too. Because uh, right next door to you if you're closer than about 100 feet to your nearest neighbor in terms of where your roofs are or your yeah. houses are in proximity. Um, they can affect each other. So if your home is uh, ignited, uh, that becomes fuel for a fire that can then easily spread to other homes. So we need a community approach to make sure that everybody's uh, homes are prepared, um, they become more resistant to ignition from wildfire, and that we have those areas in between our homes, our little parklets, our common areas, our roadways, that those are Uh, Providing the the least amount of fuel possible for a fire and letting us also um, get out safely if we have to evacuate.
0: Okay, well, thank you. That's really important information. And I think a community approach is the way to go around if everybody, you know, really does come together and want to work together to make their community as safe as possible. So, what exactly is a FireWise USA site and how does that affect homes living in that region?
1: So Fireways USA is a recognition program designed for small communities, the definition of community is kind of a, a wiggly one, and people you know, don't always know what that means, but it's yeah. usually smaller than a city or a town, because this program tends to work better at a small scale, but what it, what it means, we say a Fireways USA site to kind of include whatever you want to call it, subdivision, neighborhood, might be a small town, but this is uh, the size of an area where people can work together, where we know their homes are adjacent, they're going to affect each other in the case of a fire. And so that neighbors are able to work with neighbors. Um, And the idea behind Firewise USA is to give recognition for those planning and efforts that people put in to start to reduce and bend down their risk. Um, So that's what it's meant to do. And we've had communities participating for 20 years in some cases. Um, We're coming up on our 20th anniversary of participation. Congratulations. Um, Very exciting, yes. Um, And so it's just a way that they can start to, I guess, make those practices like a normal part of every day. Um, This is the the month in May perhaps that we get out and we do our raking and clearing and uh, taking our brush away and our debris, uh, the things that are flammable around our homes uh, or on our roadways that could cause a problem. Uh, We get together and help a neighbor who can't, Uh, do the work themselves. These are really great efforts that the FireWise USA sites do all the time.
0: Okay, so Michelle, I was wondering, how does one become a FireWise USA site? Do people have to apply for it? Are there certain parameters um, to be
1: involved or can any community get involved? Basically, it's really open to any community that uh, meets the criteria that are willing to do uh, the steps that it takes to become a Firewise USA site. So uh, to become recognized in the program, first people have to um, have a community risk assessment accomplished uh, to look for what are the, you know, what are the uh, risks in our community around wildfires igniting our homes? What condition are the homes in? What are some other factors? What is our wildfire going to look like when it comes? Uh, what should we be concerned about? what are the, what are the action steps we should take? From there, um, if they're willing to form a board or committee and accept the findings in that assessment, they go ahead and create an action plan that uh, we, we try to coach people to try to think about a three-year time frame, the things you'll do year one, year two, year three, um, Mm -hmm. starting simple and building up, um, that I, that start to attack those things that we found are issues in the assessment. So it might be that um, there's a lot of you know, home lots that are in poor condition in terms of a lot of weeds or brush or things we have to clear out. Um, It might be um, other issues with homes needing home improvements to be safer on the exterior. So those are the things that are identified in the risk assessment that then the action plan should start to address. And so every year or the first year, people need to do some kind of educational event to get the community engaged. Um, That can be a fair, you know, a meeting, whatever they want to do, and then do some work that accounts for um, at least, you know, the calculation we use is at least an hour per, per home or dwelling unit in the community, and that's for the whole year. So that's a pretty easy accomplishment for yeah. most for most communities. So if you're talking about a small community, um, if you, you figure if everybody kind of and contributes an hour, or you can calculate it that way, you've, you've met the, the criteria. And of course, we uh, we use a dollar value on an hour that's uh, created by the independentsector.org. They value a volunteer hour and, and uh, update that rate every year. So we provide that as a kind of a measuring tool for communities to be able to say, yes, we put in this value into the the work around our community. And they could also count, of course, if they got some grants or some in-kind support from uh, a business or from their fire department, they can kind of count up uh, either the dollars or the hours, whatever works um, to say, we've done it. Uh, When they've done it, they uh, fill out an application on our Firewise portal and submit that. Um, We get validation and verification from our state forestry partners in each state to say, yes, this community has done the things. Um, and typically that's a very good, strong relationship that they have, and then they get the recognition.
0: And then is there a certificate afterwards that a community has that somebody holds, so if somebody's maybe going to buy in that
1: community, they're aware that it is a Firewise site? So a couple things we do. We don't give certificates per uh, properties because it is a community-level effort, and the The bar to get in is fairly low, meaning not every single home, particularly in the first year, would have done all kinds of mitigation necessarily, but but that they've met that minimum to to enter the program. And then the encouragement is that to stay in good standing, you have to do activities every year. You have to let us know every year what you're doing um, and follow your plan along over the years. So um, we do provide signage and a plaque to communities that want that. Um, The signs are usually posted around the borders of the community and we maintain that information on our database and we have a public facing map that shows basically a point on the map to show it. generally where is that community. So it isn't something where we certify, we we get away from that word "certify" because that means something that's usually associated with an individual and a skill set. So what we prefer to say is recognition for the efforts across the community that they've documented for us.
0: That makes perfect sense. Well, so for homebuyers looking in a wildfire zone, should they look for a place in a Firewise USA community? And how do home buyers find that community? Do you have something, you know, online, like through your portal that people can see? If I want to live in X area, you know, this is the community I want to be in because they are a
1: Firewise site. Sure. Um, I think that's a great selling point, because this community has taken action to start to bend down its risk, um, that this is a community of people that work together, that have some kind of cohesion and some community spirit. That's what we often find. This really builds that kind of neighborly spirit among people that maybe didn't have a platform for that in the past. So, yeah, I would... Right on. Let's let's buy in a firewise site. So <laughs> right, how yeah. know, Right. So if you go to firewise.org and look for information about uh, where the firewise sites are, you'll see the map, but you'll also see a list of names. When you see the map, you can actually zoom in and get a little more information about the community. Um, if um, Often, if you just Google the name of the community, if for example, if it's a homeowners association or a similar kind of organized um, subdivision, mm-hmm. they'll have their own website even, and many of them tend to brag about their firewise status. So I they want to brag about committees. that. <laughs> they have their committees online, and they uh, provide information about what they do. So you know that you're walking into a community that has done some work, not only to reduce the risk, but to also bring neighbors into, you know engaging in this, like I said, to try to make this a normal activity from year right. to year that this is part of our culture and the community.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for that. So if home buyers are building their homes, should they use ignition resistant building materials or, yes. you know, do you <laughs> guys have all of that listed and are there materials on the market today that are not that great to use in
1: specific areas? Well, what, what we try to promote, and um, this is also in NFPA creates standards around a lot of these safety issues. And so if your jurisdiction is using our standard, it will um, say the products that you're using should meet this level of ignition resistance. We don't dictate the specific products because okay. new products are coming to the market all the time. Oh, nice. Consumers have a choice, et cetera. We know, you know, prices of things go up and down, but the good news is there are a lot of products, whether it's roofing, siding, windows that meet ignition resistant criteria. So it isn't, um, you know, out of, you know, it's not some rare product that you'd have to go on right, right. and find. So there's lots of options for different kinds of roofing, siding. Um, we do recommend windows are a, a, a failure point in a lot of these fires where, uh, if they crack and break, the flames and embers can enter the building, and then it's really uh, a problem. It's right. it's usually usually spells the end of the house. Um, and so, those kind of building materials do they they give they give that home the durability, the sustainability, and the protection that will last for years. Now, it means that you still have to maintain, you still have to work in your yard, and you know deal with your right. landscape because you any home. Uh, will have a weak point and so you don't want to invite fire flames or embers you know close to the house, you want to want to think about that system of the home and the landscape together. But certainly using those ignition resistant materials that are you know commonplace um, easy to find and, and a variety of them is a really wonderful idea great start.
0: Okay, good. So just in a few months, uh, May 7th is Wildfire Community Preparedness Day. What occurs yeah. on that day and how can homeowners get involved?
1: Great. So, Wildfire Community Preparedness Day or PrEP Day for short, um, this is our campaign that we've been running now. I think we're in our ninth year. Um, and this is uh, just a call to action and a rallying point for communities to say, um, you know, this is a chance for you to learn. The things that you can do to be safer from fire uh, as a chance to get with your neighbors or you know during covet times it's been work with your family around your right. home <laughs> and uh, do those things help a neighbor um, and do it safely and so it's a really great opportunity for people to take that first step in a wildfire safety and preparedness and um, we see a whole variety of activities and we're again trying to get fo- people to focus on the risk to their property the things they can do right around the home or the building uh, to make it safer and those we focus in on again those those home improvements perhaps Mm -hmm. on the outside of the building the cleanups on the outside of the building Um, and just within five feet of a home uh, you know that's where they can make a lot of difference because that's where that that space right near the, the base of your home within five feet is where a lot of embers will flow and pile up and drop as the wind is blowing uh, you know, around the, these big fires. It's not so much, you know, obviously, if you have a really big flammable, you know, pile of wood really close to your house. That's a prove problem. That. <laughs> most people don't. Most people will have little shrubs or they have wood mulch. They have products that or or plantings right. that they don't realize can catch the embers and present a, a problem. So those are the kinds of things we get people to focus on. And again, we see loads of folks going out to help either people who are elderly, people who have disabilities, who for whatever reason really can't tackle these projects on their own. And it's lovely to see neighborhoods and and groups and, you know, scout groups or what have you get together and do these things on the day.
0: That is really nice. Do you guys have people upload photos anywhere? Is there a hashtag people could be using to get involved and show people that you are a part of the community and you, you know, you do want to be protected in your
1: community and around your own home? Great. Right. Well, the the hashtag has been hashtag wildfire prep day um, on Twitter and Facebook. I'm not sure if we're adding 22 to it. Doesn't really matter. Uh, we we are asking folks, um, we do run a uh, an application process for a competitive little uh, project awards, um, small grant that State Farm Insurance helps provide to us. Um, they've been helping sponsor this for the last nine years. And so we had a hundred winners that we just announced today is March 16th as we're recording, but uh, however that works, uh, that we announced that that received this award, but we want everyone to participate. And there's a lot you can get done uh, just with volunteer help and, and getting the community together. Certainly uh, a little of that seed money does help uh, individuals and communities a lot and people are able to make uh, to to make really good progress with it. Um, we've had uh, many people post photos before and after photos last year that were really great when you saw what people were able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly we love to have people posting on our social platforms with the hashtag Welfare Prep Day.
0: Okay, well, that's something that everybody who's listening can take part in. And it'll be nice to see the outcome of all of the new people that are hearing about this day and what they can do.
1: and before and after pictures, you know, tell a big story. Yes, indeed, indeed. For sure. Um, one community was uh, very excited when they gave us our story a couple years ago about um, the, the Little Project Award helped them rent roll-away dumpsters. And they, they really thought about their physical location and how challenging it was sometimes to get the material they were removing out of the community or helping mm-hmm. people get it to out of their yards into the curb and get then out of the community. So they they were finding their own solutions. And that's that's one of the most exciting things for communities is we know we know we need to do these things, but how are we going to do this? And and when they get together, think about it, pull their resources, look for opportunities like the small project awards. That's right. what really gets things moving, gets people really excited.
0: Well it sounds it it sounds fun to be a part of as well. You know, you're making a difference for not just yourself, but other people as well. Um, so are you guys working with the IBHSS Wildfire Prepared Home? And if so, how will that help homeowners living in affected areas by wildfires?
1: Can you uh, right. so, talk a little yeah, more? About I'd it? love to speak to them. IBHS stands for the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety, which is a really long name, almost like National Fire Protection Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, IBHS is insurance industry, um, so that their members are insurers. And they're very dedicated to um, reducing property losses and suffering uh, from natural hazards, primarily, uh, including wildfire. So uh, they've done amazing research in their lab in South Carolina, the Disaster Research Center there, on how homes ignite and how we can prevent it. And so with that, um, they're looking at, obviously, California has suffered some major losses in recent years. There is, with our program, NFPA's program of FireWise USA, we have, I believe, we're right about ready to say we've got 500 communities. So look for that celebration coming soon. So That's there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of people are engaging in Firewise, which is great. But they're asking some of the same questions that you're asking. Well, if I'm a homeowner and mm-hmm. I'm in a Firewise site, uh, how do I how do I prove my worth? Yep. Especially because right now the insurance. Uh, Situation because of all the losses has become really challenging for, for property owners. So they're trying to prove to their insurance companies, yes, I've done the work or I'm in a firewise site or whatever it is. Right. NFPA's program isn't designed for individuals to have a certificate. We, we don't have a way to validate anything that a specific individual has done. So we can't right. do that. And we're not the insurance industry. So wonderfully, IVHS has stepped in to say our members are interested in this. We want to develop a a checklist essentially that shows these are the most important things that a home should have. Um, so, their prepared homes is essentially a list of those things. And in fact, we will start to provide this as a designation specifically to each home that wants it. Um, and they've got a whole system for that on, on wildfire prepared homes. So, they're basically launching that in California to address that need, which we think at NFPA is great because it does, yeah. we know we can't meet that need. Um, it, is, it is obviously consumer need as well as an insurance need. So this is a, a great um, activity. And the wonderful thing is that checklist of items is yeah. all the same things we've been talking about, getting the home prepared on the outside, the roof, the walls, the windows um, and the defensible space or the home ignition zone area around the home, getting that prepared and getting that to be ignition resistant.
0: Right. That's wonderful to hear that that's out there and everybody is working together you know, mm-hmm. when, when there's a yeah. gap somewhere, somebody's got to fill it, right? That's
1: Right, that's right. And it's, <laughs> it's exciting. And um, we, we do, uh, we've actually, NFPA has used um, some of the great research coming out of the disaster research lab um, with, with IBHS, you mm-hmm. know, we've used that to create wildfire uh, research fact sheets about different elements of the home based on their findings. And again, this is these are this is research in an area where there has been research going on for probably 30 years but it's been going on through the forest service at the federal government level which they don't they don't have a mandate to protect homes per se they're about the forest and right. so right. we're You know, but where do we care about property loss and property protection? That's really with insurance industry, with the fire industry, uh, with NFPA, with IBHS and similar types of organizations. So it only makes sense that they carry on uh, looking at building materials, design, um, all all the different things that they're finding, which is why we talk about that five foot zone so much, because they've just more and more that we see that they do. They're saying, we are really clear about this, that that five feet is the most important place to start is one of the, the things that will greatly affect survival of a, of a structure.
0: Right, right. No, it is super, super important. Well, we've covered a lot during this podcast mm-hmm. today, but is there anything we haven't discussed that you feel our readers or and uh, listeners should know about wildfire community protection or have we pretty much covered a lot of
1: ground today? Well, I think it's great that we're able to talk about the community-wide effort. And I think that's so important for people to know that to take action now, whether whether it be on May 7th, Wildfire Community Preparedness Day, which we'd love to have people engaged, or if you're starting to work with your Firewise community or you're working through your Firewise USA uh, application, it's so important because what we don't want people to do is to think, well, I don't have to do anything because the fire department will come and save me or I have insurance, or the federal government will give me disaster aid, because honestly, those none of those things are sure bet. You know what, what you can do is you have the power to make a difference at your home and in your community, and we've got the tools for you to start doing that.
0: Well, Michelle, thank you so much. You are a wealth of knowledge, and it's always a pleasure having you on our podcast, and we hope to do it again with you soon.
1: Thank you, Dana. All I right. really appreciate talking with you.